Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule is the podcast where people tell me five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish and one thing that they'd like to bury and forget. My guest in this episode is the stand-up comedian and podcaster, Rich Wilson. Now, I first saw Rich when he was on tour with the previous My Time Capsule guest, the lovely Angela Barnes, and knew immediately what a great guest he'd be when he mentioned that he grew up less than a mile from me. As a stand-up, Rich has had sell-out shows at the Edinburgh Fringe, Melbourne Comedy Festival and the New Zealand Comedy Festival and was nominated for Best MC at the 2023 Chortle Awards. He's a much-in-demand writer and the host of the wildly popular Insane in the podcast series, where Rich talks to funny and interesting people about their experience with mental health. In the last year, the podcast has been nominated for an award with Pod Bible, and in 2019 won an award with Joe for Best Podcast. Rich is also co-host alongside Rachel Wells of the new podcast, But Please Don't Panic, which is all about their shared love of B-movies. Guests have included James A. Caster, Scroobius Pip, Heston Blumenthal, Tom Allen, Romish Ranganathan, David Baddiel, Simon Evans, Dane Baptiste, and many, many more. But now, he's the guest. So let's discover what the delightful Rich Wilson will choose to put in his time capsule. Where did you go to school? Because we have this shared life don't we in a I way do, and i can't believe it i know it's weird, when it? when i yeah when i was at the gig and i said to mary cray i didn't think from really you know it, it, yeah you don't realize um so i went to school uh ramson school for boys so did i what mm-hmm. you didn't yep are you kidding i'm not <laughs> <laughs> no isn't that amazing oh wow i was there i think i was there 81 to 88 
No, so, I'm yeah. well before then. I was uh, I, I left in '74, I think. Wow. So, yeah. I can't believe that. Isn't that amazing? I wonder <laughs> if there are any teachers there who were the same. I doubt it. They all seemed incredibly old. They were. Teachers were back then. Yeah. Even though, in fact, yeah. it turns out I did a gig in um, Burton, somewhere like that, yeah, mm. once. And the, afterwards, this voice said, Mickey. And I thought, somebody from school. <laughs> it's the only time I was ever called Mickey. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, what, it was my geography teacher. What? Yeah, Mr. Griffiths. Wow. But I was nearly 60, yeah. so he was about 70. He was only 10 years older than me. Wow. See, that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. were, <laughs> I remember, yeah, there was in my, in, I went to Ramsden Juniors as well, and there was... Uh, so did I. No, you <laughs> didn't. I did. <laughs> oh, wow. And I remember there was Miss Garnsworthy, and she was brand new. I remember she was 21 at the time. Mm. And so, so, yeah, she wasn't that much older than... No, us. and it's funny. I'm part of a group, so it's called "I Live on." I lived on the Ramsden. <laughs> it's on Facebook, and uh, and I see uh, two two lads that I went to school with, Clint and Sean. And it's funny seeing some of the names popping up and having a chat. But one of the teachers, Tim Pike, Mister Pike. I knew Mister Pike. Yeah, I remember same school. Yeah, what? So Mister Pike has mm. been chatting to everybody, and he's wow. still in touch with some of the old teachers. So he was talking about ah, uh, what was his name? So I was talking about him the other day. Oh, I can't remember his name. But he was brilliant. He was a brilliant teacher. And I remember trying to get back. I'd left school, but then tried to go back and get into the sixth form. Yeah. And I had a meeting with him, and he just said, Rich, I have to be honest with you. You're just not academic, mate. This just isn't for you. He goes, so I'm really sorry. I can't have you back in. But I'm sure you'll find your place. Mm-hmm. And he was right. He was right. And he was a brilliant teacher. I remember he could pull himself up the ropes just by using his arms. Like, he'd have his, uh, his legs right, out straight yeah. in front of him and he'd pull himself up. PE teacher? He was, a, he, he was I think, he's English and PE. Right. There oh, was a young was... teacher there when I was there, so he would have been young as well, mm. but he was fantastically fit. And the thing I remember about him was there was a school bully right. called Pearson. He was trouble. I remember him coming into school dressed like the character from Clockwork Orange. Oh. One eye made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stick, bowler hat braces and they sent him home of course immediately yeah which is what he wanted them to do yeah yeah of course <laughs> stupid <laughs> stupid rules but this teacher had seen him picking on this boy and had grabbed them both and said right we're not going to do this you have to go to the gym mm. and we'll do a proper boxing match oh and he knew that the boy he was picking on yeah yeah was yeah. county champion <laughs> but nobody else did oh that is lovely isn't it i would love it to be the same teacher <sighs> Wouldn't I it? can't remember his no. name. That's really annoying me because we were talking about him only the other day because I was saying how, because uh, Mr. Pike, that was the other thing as well. It seemed really weird calling him Tim. Tim. Even yeah. though I've not been to school since 1988. <laughs> and we did, I didn't really have much to do with Mr. Pike. He was kind of like, it was. I think he was like deputy head and around, but I didn't really, I didn't really see him. Um, and we were chatting and, he's, and he mentioned that teacher. There was a nice opportunity to say, the, the guy was influential. He actually did make a difference because mm. he's a bit. He's, he's uh, I think he's got dementia now. He's borderline dementia, right? And he's he still gets about, but not well. He's not well. Mm. You know, because I mean, he must be nearly eighty now, I suppose. But you know, he's he's still around, and he's and he and Tim Pike said he'd pass on. He'd pass on the message, and oh, yeah, it was lovely. I'm sure all the teachers that I had 
You'll go, no, I don't remember those. So the names I remember was the English teacher called Mr. Arrowsmith. Right. Uh, a maths teacher called Mr. Toulon. I am Mr. Toulon. Yeah, I remember yeah. Mr. Toulon. You're yeah. still there. Wow. Yeah, you yeah. are still there. Yeah. And a French teacher called Mr. Cook. Yeah, oh, he used to terrify me. Everybody. Oh, he looked like he looked like Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And he'd sit. We'd go in the lab right up at the top of the school <laughs> with the with the tapes, the recorders that we had. And he'd sit on his desk. He'd have your headphones on, and you'd all be repeating, listening to the tape, and repeating back. And then you'd know when he was listening to you because you'd hear it click. Oh god! And then he'd, and he'd just be glaring that horrible, like vampire. Yeah, he was probably a lovely man. But do you know who he was? Oh, I knew that would happen. Isn't I used to bunk off his cars. I couldn't handle yeah, it. Yeah, no, me too. I was terrified <laughs> of him. The violence that was around when we were kids. I talk about it in my act. It's like at some point, a grown-up, not even connected to you could just punch you in the ear hole and you go, what was that for? And you go, I know your mum. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know off. what you're going to do or you yeah, might do. Yeah, that's that's to stop you doing the thing you were thinking of doing. <laughs> you look like you might do something <laughs> they, at they, some point. They could virtually do anything. Yeah. That's the point, isn't it? I can't believe that you know these teachers. But him, the, the, the French teacher used to terrify me. Mm. I had the pleasure of meeting, uh, what was his name? Mr. Probin, and we didn't know his name. We didn't realise his name until we left. It was like we were walking out on the last day. We all went, his name was Probin. <laughs> oh, no, we've missed that opportunity. <laughs> but he was a, he was from Liverpool. I remember we did this. There was like an open evening where parents would come and check the score out to see if they could send their kids there. Mm. And so we'd be all sat doing work. And we were, he said to us, I want you to write a poem. So we were sitting there writing a poem. And then when he came back around, he was having a look at it and he went, he goes, do you know Roger McGough? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, very similar to Roger McGough, what you've written. Oh. And he went off and I was like, at the time I was like, oh, okay. And it went to years later after school, I was like, that is such a compliment. Yeah. Huge compliment. And then I was running a comedy club in Maidstone up the creek and I got this phone call from this guy with this really heavy Scouse accent. He's like, I want to book a couple of tickets for my wife and my friends and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that sounds like him. I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And the name is, yeah, it's, um, I can't remember his first name. It's like, it's a probing. I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, no problem at all. <laughs> he came down. And I was just like, you you said a brilliant thing to me at school. And he, oh, how and lovely. He, he, did, he said he remembered, but he probably didn't. And I just got him wasted on whiskey. <laughs> it's the least I could have done. How well, lovely to be able to, to say those things to, to teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I did, Arrowsmith, who was the English teacher, he was the one who was who sort of changed my life. He went round the class right near the end, before mm. we finished O-levels, yeah. and he was saying to people, you know, whether they should stay on into the sixth form or Right, not. right, right. And he said to me, you could if you want to. Mm. So it's up to you. If you fancy it, yeah. he said, you probably will, and I'll tell you probably why you will. And I said, what's that, Mr. Arrowsmith? He said, there are girls there. <laughs> I went, yeah. Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? Excuse but he, me, he yeah. told everybody the job they should do. He said, "You'd make a good this. You'd make a good that." And he came to me and he said, "You." Mm. He said, "I'd say journalist or actor." Oh, and I went, why? He said, "You're a really good liar." Yeah, <laughs> that is excellent, isn't it? How astute! <laughs> Amazing. Well, it was funny because the girls' school was across the rugby pitch or the hockey pitch, yeah, from the boys' school, so. When it came to like the third year or whatever it was, and we could all we had options and things like that, and 
the girls, if they, this is how, this is what it was like back then. <laughs> so if the girls wanted to study business, they had to come to the boys' school. Mm-hmm. And if we wanted to study catering or cooking, and like, we had to go to the girls' school. Yeah. So because we wanted to be amongst each other, we all swapped. Mm-hmm. And so I'd on a, every Tuesday I'd go up into the girls' school to be because I wanted to be a chef. Yeah. So I'd go up and learn catering skills, and then all the girls would come down to the boys' school. It was a, it was how it was. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, did yeah. exactly the same thing. I I went up for typing. <laughs> and good Lord, it was a good decision. Yeah, absolutely. I was the only boy there. <laughs> and and the teacher was just about the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Mm. And she would have, you know, she just started teaching. So she probably would have been about, you know, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was 16 and just fell in love with her. I had that with my maths teacher, Miss Reed. <laughs> I just she, honestly shame she wasn't an English ridiculous. teacher. Miss Reed is a good name for an English teacher, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see things like that. Oh, I'm the terrible. I'm a terrible comedian. <laughs> <laughs> you are not. You are really good. I saw you the Thank other night. You. It's a fabulous act. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I love your nerve as well. I love in Tunbridge Wells. You were. I could see you weighing up. Shall I do this joke? Mm, Shall I not do this yeah. joke? And it's a surprising place, Tunbridge Wells. It is. It's the only place apart from Brighton uh, that voted against Brexit. Really? Yeah, in the southeast. Oh, wow. Yeah. They all went, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. There's a band called Benefits, and it's like, it's like spoken word over kind of industrial electronic soundscapes mm. and it's it's one of those things is you know i've played it to people and they've gone mm-hmm, that sounds loud and it's just one of those <laughs> but they played tunbridge wells they played the forum and i was talking to kingsley the lead singer online and uh and he said yeah we we're in tunbridge wells the other night he goes even the even the trees look right wing and i went do you know what actually it's mm. not i mean we were told at one of our gigs that when the when the the, the tory candidate was was canvassing the area they were getting turned away. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, we'll see what happens at the next yeah, election. Interesting. I have a feeling could well go Liberal Democrat. I think so. Which, let's, yeah. you know, fingers crossed, because they've they run the council and they've been really good. There you go. Yeah. God, we're going to talk forever. We're never going to get around to But talking. no, I know. <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> we yeah. need to go and have a coffee. That's we what we need. have a coffee and just, we'll talk about those things then. But uh, we should talk about the five things that you've picked yes. to put into a time capsule. That's the idea of this podcast. Yeah. So, Rich, what have you come up with? So, I've come up with, uh, I remember one of the best Christmases I ever had uh, was when I received the $6 million man <laughs> action figure and it stayed with me forever. I still, every time I think about it, I remember opening the, ripping open the, the wrapping paper and seeing the pink box. And I remember I, it was Gamblings in Orpington was the toy shop. Mm. And I remember we'd just get taken in there all the time and I'd just be just in there staring at this six million dollar man and the pink box and i i picked that box up and put it back down so many times <laughs> so then to have it in my hands at christmas yeah every time i see the six million dollar man or online and i see the i'm immediately transported back to that would have been late 70s mm. but one of the best christmases oh, fantastic ever. did he have the the powers did he have a strong arm what he had yes so what he did he had so he had like rubber on one arm that you rolled up and underneath were bionics, uh-huh, brilliant. and they would pop out. You could put them in and out. And then he had an, <laughs> he had an engine with a handle on it. And what he'd do, you put the engine in his hand, and he'd press this lever on his back, and it would lift up. <laughs> anything. 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 It was just, yeah. <laughs> and then 
I remember one of his eyes was like a magnifying glass that you could look through. So you could, you were supposed to be able to see further. <laughs> you couldn't see anything. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. And he had red trainers and I just loved it so much. Uh. And what I loved, it's funny looking back at the TV show now, when he was supposed to be like going fast as Steve Austin, he'd like, it'd be really slow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that worked. He was a portly man, wasn't he? He was, the man, yeah. the man who played it. When you think back on it, the idea the of choosing that actor, yeah, choosing him as the uh, thing, because he, he constantly had to hold his stomach in, I thought. That's there what was, I thought he looked like. That's what a lot of the actors back then, they had that, when you look at, like, uh, Robert Mitchum, and you see them, they had that, Family Guy did a bit about it, when they said they had that weird, they had that strange unfit fit body <laughs> but they're like they obviously worked out but yeah. they were still drinking and smoking and do all the things so they all had bellies yeah and so yeah you see that when, and you'd suck it in and push it up as it yeah, were it would yeah, become yeah. your pecs <laughs> that was it so they'd have like I don't know they have girdles or something I just don't like, know <laughs> I know that my dad on holiday once in a holiday camp down in Hailing Island uh, won the Mr. Universe competition right. right at the beginning of the week mm. by going up on the diving board and pulling his stomach in, and right, pushing right, right. it up and going, you know, <laughs> doing a Tarzan call or something. And uh, he won. But he said it was the worst holiday he ever had because he had to, for the rest of the week, walk around with his stomach pulled in. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that on stage sometimes because I've got a bit of a belly and I'm worried about it. And I shouldn't. People don't care. So I know on stage the other day I was running around and I just suddenly I had to catch my breath because I was holding my belly in. <laughs> now that was it. I did a kids show. It's called Comedy Club for Kids. It was in Chichester, and I was getting the kids to come up and tell jokes. And then and then oh, we're running out of time. Running out of time. I need to bring on an act. Mm. And this kid started crying. I'm like, what's going on? We have tears. What's up? And his mum said, oh, he's upset. He's not been picked. I'm like, oh no, no tears, no tears. Come down, come yeah. down, come down. So he comes down. And he just started doing roly polies and dancing around. So then I joined him and was dancing around with him. <laughs> and then he and then he told his joke and he went off. And I went to try and bring on the act and I was like, oh. And I nearly said, fuck. <laughs> nearly swore. You can swear if you like. Oh, that's right. But I nearly swore then as well. I leant yeah. on the mic. I went, fuck. <laughs> anyway, here's your next act. <laughs> and he's a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was me worrying okay alright I know the levels now excellent yeah, no I know worries. we've had I know on ours we get a bit carried away I had Mark Steele on brilliant Mark Steele brilliant Mark Steele we had to do a two-parter because it was just him calling everyone a cunt for two hours <laughs> yep. so yeah the six million dollar man into the time, time capsule. capsule fantastic yeah. yeah slightly strange idea the six million dollar man I always think because he had that really strong arm, one really strong arm. Yeah. But it was connected to the rest of his body, which hadn't been oh, yeah. particularly improved. And you thought, well, if I put a superhuman arm on me and it, it picked something up and tried to stop a car with it, yeah. the rest of my body would fall apart. It would, yeah. It and doesn't make that, sense. And, the, and I think Ben Stiller was going to do a remake of The Six Million Dollar Man, like now. Yeah. But... With six million dollars, so it'd be that's really all. bad. That's all you could do. <laughs> so he probably would have. That, you're right. Yeah. They didn't think about the rest of it. They didn't even give him a gastric band. They just gave. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, we suck a bit of that out. We'll, you know, yeah. we'll help him out. Poor, he's been through hell. <laughs> Let's help man. him out, the poor man. So you've just had a baby, haven't you? That's what you said. In your We've answer. got we're having uh, in December. In December, it's on the way. And if it's yeah. a boy, a little boy, will he be called Steve? Oh, Austin? I wish. I wish. We, we're going to call him Bodie. 
Mm. And that's it's, it's B O D H I, and that's it's quite a spiritual name. Mm. Um, but it's from it's Patrick Swayze's character in Point Break. Oh right, is it? Yeah, and so so I kind of I nearly got an action person because my eldest son's called Keanu after Keanu Reeves. Right, you like that film then? I love that film. So yeah, so we've got we've got so that, they kind of complement each other. Yeah, I saw something very funny on uh, YouTube the other day. Somebody had put the last dance from Dirty Dancing, yes. with Patrick Swayze, and they'd put it over the music of the Muppet Show theme, <laughs> and it fitted exactly. I love all that. I love all that. But it does tend to ruin things. Yeah. Because now you can't unsee it. I can't it. ever watch no. that again without, in my head. Going, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> See, that's something else as well, the theme tunes. We don't, we don't seem to have theme tunes like we used to. No. Like, you know, the- no, people talk over them. Yeah. Now they talk about what's coming next, and it's the same with credits. They move them to the side and rush them past That's really quickly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. never learn anybody's name. No, it's all kind of like next, next thing, yeah, next yeah. thing. And they're so scared of you switching off, going somewhere else. Yeah. All right, come on, let's put Steve Austin, the Steve six Austin. million dollar man. Imagine such fortunes. Imagine. <laughs> um, let's put him into the time capsule. Thank so you. So what's number two, Rich? Number two um, is my current car. So my, my my wonderful wife Kate, um, she so she bought this car on Facebook Marketplace a couple of years ago. I think it was like a thousand pounds. Right. It's a Vauxhall Astra. It's a convertible, but because it's like 12, 13 years old, like it leaks and it's just <laughs> the electrics just do what they want. It it's all right in the summer, but in the winter time, it just decides. No, we're not going to not going to have the lights today, <laughs> and it just flashes on and off. So I call it Christine after the haunted car, <laughs> and I have to be really nice to her, like stroke the, the dash and go, "Come on, babe, I just need to get to this thing. Come on, we'll just I'll put some lovely petrol in you. I've put the oil in. I'll give you. I'll take you to the. I'll get you valeted tomorrow. Just let me get to Preston. <laughs> you know, like, we've got like a bond now. It feels which I know you shouldn't have. No, I think cars. it works. I think it works. Yeah. I had a friend who had a little Morris Minor, who she called Morris, and uh, used to always talk to it every time, put the key in and go, okay, Morris, we're going to try and start now. So, you know, make the best effort you can. Come on, you can do it. Oh, <laughs> lovely. And, she, and then when she says, oh, well done, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I mean. You just can't help. No. Because they've got faces. Yeah. So you build up these, and you're in them a lot, especially with what we do, travelling up and down the country. So, because we've got a baby on the way, um, Kate's dad said, well, you're going to need another car because, you know, Richie's not around. And so, mm. bless him, he gave her the money for another one. And so she's bought, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was, it was very nice and very, you know, fun. So now my, Kate's got a Ford Focus that she bangs around in. And I've got Christine. <laughs> and I just, I just love her. I've spent, I've tried to find out what the fault is. And they, they, I had the guys take the dashboard off and they've put a new thing in that cost me a fortune, <laughs> and it still does it. So I'm like, we must be, st- I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Look up in the uh, logbook, look up willfulness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyranny of will. <laughs> That's what she's doing. That's what it is. Yeah. Because I've had so many cars over the years that it became a running joke for a while. So about, about 10 years or so ago, everybody seemed to be giving me their old cars. They just was like, I, if, I'll just give it to Rich. Yeah. He'll just get rid of it. He'll drive it into the floor. <laughs> Six months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? It was loads of that. It yeah. was one... It's got that much MOT left. You go, great. Thanks very exactly. much. Exactly. And this is a time, and I know this is terrible, but years ago, before computers and 
everybody was driving around without insurance and, and I'm not saying you should absolutely you shouldn't because no. it could have been awful but everybody was driving around because it's a Mary Cray so we were all driving around <laughs> without insurance and tax we had tax discs off someone else's car and awful business <laughs> terrible business but it, it got to a point yeah it got silly for a while and each car there was one car that it was a Rover and I lost the keys and it was parked outside my flat in Maidstone in the back in the car park and I got a phone call from the police they said, oh, we caught someone trying to break into your car. Um, we've taken the car for evidence because the guy is a prolific thief. Oh, right, when they're so, not trying to fix it. No. Uh, <laughs> so they've got it. And I went, well, I've got the keys anyway. And they're like, well, would you come down and go to court because we need to get this guy? And I went, I don't really want to do that. And then so it all went to court and everything else. And then I got a phone call a month or so later. I said, oh, you can come and get your car. Uh, otherwise, we're going to just get rid of it. I went, well, I've got the keys. So you can have it, mate. Let's keep it. So that just vanished. And then there was another one. We, I was with my friends. It was a big old Renault, whatever it was, Sophia, or whatever it was. It was massive. And I remember we we were, it was late at night, and we were driving home in Raynham down in Kent, and I hit this level crossing. I didn't see it. We were too busy mucking around, and I hit, all four wheels came off the ground. <laughs> and, the, and the suspension went just up and through. Yep. And that was it. So Bang. we just kind of rolled off to the side. And that kind of just got parked in a side street and then just left. Yeah. And that just vanished. It's such a terrible, I sound like a terrible person. No, no, I think we've all been through it. I mean, do you know, I mean, it's one of the natures of being self-employed, I think. It doesn't really matter how much you earn. You always think something bad's around the corner and you better be careful. So that you rarely, I've rarely lived like a king. I said to somebody recently, talking about cars, and uh, a neighbour of mine had bought a car. And I said, oh, that's a nice car. He went, yeah. He said, yeah, it's good. It's uh, 72,000. I went, miles? He said, no money. What? I went, right. Wow. Wow. What? Is that how much cars cost? I said, uh, he said, yeah, no you won't we'll get a new car for under 35,000. Bloody hell. Yes. And I said, I've never I've never spent more than eight grand on yeah. a car in my entire life. <laughs> And and that was the most recent car, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought I was being extremely extravagant with, <laughs> and I had it for a little while, and then drove it around doing a tour, and then uh, my son's car broke down, so I said, "Well, borrow mine. I've got two cars, but mm. borrow that." He's still borrowing it. Nice. That's uh, <laughs> so. That's you not never stop back. being a parent, do no. you? That's that's the thing. Doesn't matter how old they are. I've got two sons already. That one's thirty-one, one's twenty-six. And on the way here today, my my youngest messaged me and went, oh, Dad, I need some money. I'm just, I'm not being paid yet for the, I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, mate, don't worry. I'll see what I can do. So there's always. Of course. And that's just how it is. Yeah. I it? think like that, in fact. I think about jobs and money I'm going to get paid as mm. how much of it do I need? Yes. And how much of it can I give to my kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think that way all the time. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. It's just how it is. And my parents were the same. My parents... My dad made a joke once and he said, oh, the worst thing I can ever imagine is you turning up with your bags again. <laughs> and I mentioned it to him a while ago and he went, oh, I, he's, oh I'm sorry if I said that. Goes, I was only joking. Mm. You're welcome here anytime. Yeah. And it really upset him. And I was like, no, I know, no, you were joking. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And yeah, of just, course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Without, of course. Yeah. And it's happened the other way around, actually. When I was married, I've only been married once before. And I split up with my wife, wonderful woman, and we just worked, we just didn't get on, and we broke up. We're very mm. sad. But I ended up living with my eldest son and his missus, <laughs> so I moved in with them, and I was in the box room, yeah, nice, and uh, had all my bags and my boxes <laughs> in the corner, and just 
I just, and then uh, I remember my son came in one night and uh, he leaned in and went, he goes, so you got everything you need? I went, yeah, thanks. He went, all right, lights out. <laughs> <laughs> Getting late. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now, you've got school. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I said to somebody a long time ago, and I still believe that it's true, they were talking about friendship and they were talking about, you know, what does that mean? And I said, well, I have certain friends who to me are like family. Mm. And when I say like family, if my family needed everything I had, I'd give it to them. Yes. Rather than them suffer. If it came to that point, it was something happened mm. where they just didn't have the money and they desperately needed it. Yeah. I would sell everything. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's true of most parents. I think you know? so. Yeah, but yeah, I have yeah. certain friends who, if they rang me and said, oh, Mike, I'm in such shit. Mm. Everything's gone wrong and we're going to be chucked out and things like that. I did have a friend where that happened and yeah. I said, come and live in my house. Well, I think that that ought to be your attitude in life. Yes. It's only things. Yeah. My friend, Paul Sweeney, who um, he's a lovely man, um, and he's been going through it a little bit. He's he sort of come off the rails a bit. He was in a breakup and things. And mm. I really feel for him. He was, he was, he had all these plans and it all sort of fell apart. But when I was in a breakup, after the, the lockdowns, I, I split with my, with my ex-partner and, and he immediately just went, come and live here. Mm -hmm. I've got a spare room, you know, come and stay at mine. And he didn't charge me any rent. And I was there for two years. Wow. And every, if I got a bit of money, then I'd give him a bit. I, it, but that takes all the pressure was, off it, doesn't it? He was amazing. It's all, I, that's, yeah. There are the points. It's so easy for things to fall apart yes. for people. They can, everything can be, you know, absolutely fine. They're earning loads of money, particularly in those situations, mm. I think, when somebody's, everything's going well and they're doing really well and suddenly that all stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult to put the brakes on. Yes, it is. And, and that's why it, if you're in a position... Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about breakups and everything, but yes. obviously there's one woman in your life that yes. you would never no. break up from. And Absolutely. That's Christine. <laughs> yes, Christine. I can't leave her. And she's brilliant. <laughs> I just love her. I went. We went all the way to Norfolk yesterday. You know, it just, she was brilliant. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. then we've had the storm today, this storm that's ravaged the southeast. And she started first time. <laughs> we had a few Christmas lights going. It was a bit flickery, but she got me here. So come on, Christine. Fantastic. Bless. Right, let's put her in the time yes, capsule please. forevermore. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, what's next? Number three. So next, number three. I wrote a list. I wrote it down. Okie dokie, picking a pokey, as Pauline used to say from the League of Gentlemen. It's time for an ad break. We'll be back after these efforts to sell you things. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back. Buy anything? Ah, well, let's get back to Rich Wilson and see what else he wants in his time capsule. And in fact, if he actually grew up in the same house as me. Oh, it's funny you mentioned A Clockwork Orange. Right. Because I remember watching it. The first time I saw it, I I might have been too young. I didn't really get it. Mm. And then one day I was sat and and I can't remember. I just... I think I found it in a charity shop and I'm like, I'm going to give it another go. And it completely knocked me sideways. Mm. Malcolm McDowell, one of the finest actors in If, just everything he's ever been in. He's Mm. just brilliant. And I watched it and I just couldn't believe it. It just just hit me like a ton of bricks. I just loved it. And then I recognised where they filmed it as well. There's a bit where they kick off of each other in the, there's like a lake and it's like, it's housing estate. Right. It was in Thamesmead. Oh. Yeah. It's, I can't remember what it's called. I don't think it's there now. I think they redeveloped the whole place. But I went back a couple of years ago, just to get, when they started doing it, and I went there and took a photo because I wanted to capture that before they get rid of it. Mm. But yeah, they filmed it in Thamesmead. Weird place, yeah. Thamesmead. Very weird. Wasn't it? That mm. sort of, we're going to build the future. And in fact, what they did was build a prison. Yes, exactly that. That weird. brutalist. Ah. Oh architecture just stacking people on top of each other mad and then with walkways and calves going underneath that's and, it yeah all of those things my I remember my nan lived on an estate in uh, Brixton and I remember that was all walkways and yeah. runs and they had to get rid of them all because people were just getting mugged in the dark corners yeah and I remember doing some work at the big estate in Tottenham it was famous oh yeah Broadwater Farm mm, yeah Broadwater Farm where the big just, riot was and the yeah. police was killed yeah. so we were doing some work there and it was, it really opened my eyes to proper poverty. Like people are just being left mm. in these these brutalist cocoons. These horrible prisons. surrounded yeah. by wealth. That's the weird. That's thing, the thing. It's massive like Islington. There's a there's a housing estate there, which is just so clearly incredibly yeah. poor, and then ridiculously wealthy people yeah. all around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no wonder they go and nick stuff. Of course they do. It's like you've got wood green down from Crouch End. And then you've got, there's an estate at the other end of Crouch, in, on sort of Crouch Hill Way. And that is, again, this little pocket of, it's just been left. Yeah. And yet there are five million pound houses on every street. I know. I think it's like Harry Enfield waving wads of money at Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but I've always had a thing for brutalist architecture. I didn't realise I did. Mm. It wasn't until a few years ago. And it might have been Angela Barnes, actually, who pointed it out she because went, of yes. her nuclear bunkers yeah yeah she yeah. loves a nuclear bunker doesn't she <laughs> <laughs> so that's it so that's how we got to meet you and i and yeah. that's how like i i, I went to a, my first nuclear bunker with angela on tour last year <laughs> and uh yeah it was funny because she loves it and it was it. it was it was it was brilliant and then she was explaining the infrastructure and why we have nuclear bunkers and who it's really for and yeah and the, and the people that would live in this bunker and that bunker, and it was fascinating. 
But that hidden but, world, yeah. it yeah, is yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah it, it, Clockwork Orange is, is such a... For a long time, it was banned, wasn't it? You couldn't it was, get it. Yeah. You couldn't get it. So finding it in a charity shop was a bit of luck, really, because you yeah. you sort of weren't allowed to buy it in a shop. No, no. And I get it, because there is, you know, there's that, there's a bit in it that's awful. Horrible. And that's, but deliberately yeah, yeah. so. That's the point. That Those was the scenes, point, yeah. And in a way, they're the things that people remember, but they're deliberately awful Yeah, to so, sort of show the other side of it, to yeah, show yeah, yeah. the mistake, really, Yeah, why this person had gone so bad. That's it. And that's the point. And, but when you talk to people about the movie, and they always bring up that bit, and I go, it's one of my favourite films, and go, well, oh, right, what, so you agree? Like, no, 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 you're not listening. Yeah. You're not, it isn't about that. It's it's the whole thing, the yeah. whole the whole message of the of the film and it's got Darth Vader in it so you know <laughs> yeah Dave Prowse is, is the muscle guy, the muscle man in the house <laughs> holding his stomach in yeah yeah holding, he is he is they never worked on their abs back then no <laughs> but I love I love the like you said with that look with the bowler hat yeah it looks so menacing it must be described in the book I think for them to have copied so, it yeah. for the film Anthony Burgess must have written that in I think because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. distinctive isn't it one eye with, yeah. with the lashes on it and that look and that, there's a look when they when they go through the milk bar Malcolm McDowell and his droogs are all sat on the sofa and they zero in on they zoom in on Malcolm's face and it's so menacing yeah and he's there and they're going oh yeah we're going to have a bit of this I can't remember the actual language because the language is brilliant mm-hmm. and then we're going to go find us some of that ultra violence and yeah. it's just you go yeah this is what it would be like even in the future. Absolutely. If, if things on go a certain way. Or yeah. may go that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd look at that world. I don't know. I mean, we are faced with a world where they are going to have to sort out how people are going to get money. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there are going to be so few opportunities. Yeah. Unless they just give it to people, which yeah. is fair enough. I don't yeah, see yeah. why not. Society's doing well. There's lots of money being made. Spread it out. This is it. Well, this is... I saw... I saw someone, it was a video online, as we all get our little snippets of information now, don't we? We don't read big books anymore. It's all a, a video here and there yeah. that you catch it of a, I can't remember what it was, but he, he was something to do with a major bank. And even he, he was his big speech, his big seminar he was doing. And he said, what's happening now is that billionaires are realising that they can't keep it for themselves because they need us to yeah. be spending money. <laughs> of course. And if we haven't got it, they can't make money. No. So. They need us to be a bit more affluent. And a Who's going to pay to yeah. hire the driverless cars yeah, when exactly. nobody's got a job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, now yeah. that's what they're doing. They're, they're, you know, everything is 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 electronic now, and you know, it's they've got a shop. I was seeing the other day, shop at uh, an, an airport in Ireland, a duty free shop, and they, as you go in, you they weigh you. There are no ones, no one working there. Oh. It's all automated, automated, and you walk in, and it weighs you. And then you go and get your stuff and you, you whatever you do with your app on your phone or all like that. And then on the way out, it weighs you again to make sure you've not nicked anything. Wow. But there isn't anyone working there. And you're like, but no, humans are going to need jobs somewhere. Somewhere. But what they want, I think, now this is getting a bit dark, isn't it now? <laughs> they want us all to work for <laughs> well, Amazon. Well, it is Club like Orange. <laughs> and that is dark. Yeah. This is it. This is, this is it. This, it, was a, it was a vision. Mm. It was telling us what it was going to be like. Yeah. They do. They want us all to be working in Amazon. They want us to be worker bees. I've said this so many times. Yeah. You know, they make apartments smaller. They make motorways wider. They make um, train lines faster. So you can get to work back quicker. Mm. But you don't need a big flat because you're not there. 
You're no. at work all the time. You don't need a big place. Either that is the way the world goes, or we go to a world where people sort of go, well, everybody needs to be yeah. looked after. And in fact, you know, I mean, you could call that communism if you like, but it, does, it doesn't have to be that. No. It can just be niceness. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. where everybody says, well, you know what? The world generates enough wealth for everybody to live yeah, comfortably. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to punish people because they haven't got a job. This is it. We just say you are your part of society. You are a human being. We are human beings. The money that is made, we will distribute it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you yeah. know, we will build schools for everybody. We will build hospitals for everybody. Exactly. You know? There's enough. There is enough. But the thing is, with these, with the people that have it all, they're, what they're, they're not even interested in spending it. It's like, and it's not that they want some of it it's like they want all of it and they want yeah. to be the only one that's mm-hmm. got all of it and you're like but you can't because then what happens yeah then what are you going to do yeah well ghettos yeah well it takes me back again to our youth or well, my youth particularly because I was around when that film came out yeah and I was pretty scared of skinheads oh, I remember yeah, they course. were fairly frightening people to come yeah. across but actually when people started dressing up as Malcolm McDowell mm. And putting on bowler hats and walking around with oh, God. canes and bother boots. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my, just, terrifying. It was terrifying. Yeah. You know, it's funny with skinheads. I was, I was a bit too young for it, but I remember, the, I remember seeing them and being. They were vicious looking. Yeah. But when I, I, I was a bit of a mod a bit later on, and I used to go to scooter rallies and things like that. And I remember being in a, one of the dance halls uh, one night, and there were all these skinheads in there immaculately turned out and they were big lads as well like you know they got their bellies and they got their but they looked immaculate mm-hmm. shiniest Dr. Marty's you've ever seen <laughs> button downs they just looked beautiful and then this northern soul music would start and these lumps would just become ballet dancers and they were pirouetting around like they were lighter than air and you're going yeah. wow I was scared of you mm-hmm. look at you you look amazing and they would and they were giving it a nod and they were like, you know, do you want a drink? And you were just like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. When I mean, think, I remember yeah. some meeting some people who all went to the same pub mm. and they all supported Chelsea. Right. And I went, great. And I was chatting to one of the blokes. He said, yeah, yeah, we, we used to be, uh, you know, they were basically the people who used to organise fights right. for every match. Wow. And, and that's what they'd done through their, yeah. through their teenage yeah. years. And they were really nice blokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that film. I don't that film, the football factory. I've only watched a bit of it, but the guys, the, the two, the heads of the opposing firms mm. were actually like they bought flowers off each other because they were florists or whatever they were, yeah. or market traders. And they were like, "Oh, we're going to see you down the thing." And they were like, they were like bantering with each other, but they knew each other. Mm-hmm. And then they go and kick shit out of each other at the weekend, yeah. and then go back at it during the week. And but I think this is the thing of all youth culture. When you really, when you look at the beginnings of it, it comes from a good place, and then it kind of gets corrupted later on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like with mod, like mod was sort of a late fifties, early sixties thing that was all about jazz. It was all about you know looking good and you know having the having the records that someone else didn't have, all the imports and things like that. And then you know it became when it became a bit more mainstream, and it was a bit more you know like it was clean living under difficult circumstances was the quote. Uh, so if you, you any money you had, it went on buying a suit and getting yeah. a suit made, looking amazing with your yeah. side vents just right, just the right length, and your lapels just so, getting your hair cut and all that. But then it got corrupted later on and became when well, it becomes really mainstream, and that's when the problems start. Because my dad, my dad, you know, he grew up in Orpington, and he 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 he, he, like, he was kind of in the middle. He had a big bike, big motorbike, but he'd wear desert boots and Levi's and sweatshirts and. And he listened to The Who. 
<laughs> and things like that. But then he, he he told me the amount of times he got chased out of the Wimpy on Alpington High Street by rockers. You know, so he was in this middle, and then uh, and then mods would be kicking the shit out of him. And <laughs> so there's all and you go, but a real mod wouldn't get into violence. Just don't want to scuff their shoes. So no, you know, it's, no, of course, it always gets corrupted along the way somewhere. Yeah, but this is why I love a Clockwork Orange is that it really shone a light on it mm-hmm. on that kind of what happens with people in society if they're left, ignored ignored yeah. yeah and that's what I love about it and it just I think it hit me I think I watched it at the right time the second time and I was becoming more sort of socially aware and it just it just knocked my head off yeah like wow and it's it, an amazing you know, film yeah, yeah. fantastic so, well let's put that in that's the yes please thing. great I remember coming out of the uh White Hart Pub in the Old Oh, Nigeria. wow. That's where we used to drink when drink. we were teenagers. I think everybody did. Yeah. It came out of the yeah. White Hart Pub and there was a fried chicken place next to it or something. Yeah, or a yeah, wimpy yeah. bar maybe. Yeah. Late night and you'd come out and you'd be able to go in there. We were all standing in a queue and these three great big Hell's Angels came in. Oh, God. And they walked right down the queue, just looking at everybody. Yeah. And they went to the front and they pushed the boke aside. And we're all just, oh, cool. Jesus Christ, you know, let them get their food. We don't yeah. care. And this big hell's angel, he picked up a packet of salt and he opened it up slowly and he poured it into his hand. And he looked at the bloke at the front of the queue and he threw it on his jacket like that. And we thought, oh, my God. Mm. Then he went, that salted you out. And then oh. he went to the back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Never judge a book by its cover. No. Well, but you know what? That's funny, actually. So when my first son was on his way and I was with my my uh, mother and my kids Lisa and um, who right we were just too young when we got together it was like the early 90s we hadn't we were both kids and mm. uh, we're, we're really good mates now and um, I remember a friend of the family was Nick it was Nick and Wendy and they were bikers Nick was a biker massive dude he had a uh, he had the mullet and the and he had the Hells Angels leather like the patches and everything else and I remember sitting in the lounge and Lisa was pregnant and I was only, I was 20 at the time, 19, 20. And they're all talking to Lisa, all the mums are there. And then Nick came into the lounge and he just sat next to me and he went, are you all right? <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right. He went, because from now on, this has nothing to do with you. <laughs> this is going to be all about the baby and all about the mum and no one's going to give a shit about you. <laughs> and I went, oh yeah, he goes, you'll be all right. And he just tapped me on the knee and he went out. How nice. And it was lovely. And every time I saw him, he was like, do you want to go out for a ride in the car? I had this uh, American, it's like 1980s Trans Am. Wow. It's a bit like Kit. And he'd <laughs> drive that up and down while the mums were talking. So yeah, you're right. Never judge a book by its cover. No. Never ever. No. Lovely. Okay, we've got two more things. Two to more things. In, so, the humble cheese and pickle sandwich. <laughs> it's, you got, with, when you've got fresh bread Really good cheese. That's what I've learnt now. Now I'm middle class. Yeah. Oh, I, I love a cheese board with, with uh, figs and truffle honey. Oh, I've never felt so alive. If I spoke like this when I worked when I was living in Cray, I would have been kicked up the street. But still, yeah. better than all that. Yeah. You'd go for the sandwich. Good white bread. Good white bread. Mm. See, this is something I again on another video. Someone was talking about. The difference between brown bread and white bread, and he's like, you know, it's just the way it's ground down, and yeah. you know, it's it's so pretty. Bread is bread, it's, and there's other. There was really there was some other fitness guys, and they were saying, look, you can have bread, you just don't need to have all the bread, and that's the <laughs> issue. You're you're having all of the things rather than some of the things. So I've learned that as I've gotten older. I'm like, I need one sandwich. 
I don't need to have a whole loaf. No. <laughs> but the, the cheese and pickle sandwich, there's just something about decent white bread, decent cheddar, and Branston pickle. Branston pickle, yeah. And it just is perfect every time. And it's weird, isn't it? You can go to all those National Trust places and they'll have yeah. all a great array of chutneys and things like that. Yeah. They're, they're not the same as They're Branston. not the same. They're not the same. No. Who is it? Is it Dominic Holland? Uh, oh, lovely Dominic Holland. Love Dominic. It's, you know, it's funny because we did a gig and the promoter, it was a, the promoter had said, oh, it's not much money because we were, we were just starting the gig off and blah, 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 blah. So it's this much. And we were like, yeah, fair enough. So then we mm. get there and I'd not, I'd not been, I'd not been going long enough for me to sort of say anything. Um, but we got there and there was like 500 people. It was rammed. Mm. And we're like, oh, and they're Hang all paying, on a second. Yeah, yeah, they're paying between eight and 12 quid a ticket. So I'm stood there going, oh, all right, well, I'm going to have to just swallow it. Anyway, Dominic arrives, and he's like, I'm not having this. And I'm like, right. He goes, no, I'm going to say something. I went, oh, mate. He said, yeah, but then he won't. He'll just do it on his own, and he'll just get rid of us. And I'm like, I need the money. Mm. And he went off, and I heard those two shouting and screaming in the changing room. And I'm like, oh, God. And then later on, another gig, I saw Dom, and I said to him, I said, and and I've been thinking about it for ages. I went, I should have backed you up, mate. I'm really sorry I didn't. Mm-hmm. I should have just gone, fuck it. I should have backed you up. And I'm really sorry. He goes, yeah, you should have done. Yeah, you should have done. I mean, yeah, but I'm not Spider-Man's dad, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got that to fall back on. Anyway, well, that's a bit right. I went, yeah, yeah, you're right. Isn't it? I, went, no, I should have backed Anyway, True. bottom line, should have backed you up. Mm-hmm. Really sorry. But yeah, lovely fella. But I remember him talking about going to like wherever it was and you go to like National Trust places and buying chutney and you have like one scoop of it and then just leave it. Yeah, and <laughs> it's going to go same. off, isn't it? It was like pesto. We were, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. <laughs> like once you've opened a jar of pesto, you have to eat it immediately. You've got to be Italian yeah. to do that. <laughs> we were like, who's eating a jar of pesto in three days? Like, what are you having it on? You could make your own. See, this is where I'm at now. Oh, so middle class. I'm so middle class. I've never been middle class before. It's quite, I think, knocking around with producer Paul, who makes his own bread every day. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sourdough. Yeah. So, yeah, the humble cheese and pickle sandwich. Mm. And that's the thing as well, you know, you and I have been very lucky to go to the places we've been to through yeah. work and experience all manner of wonderful things. And I've had meals in some incredible places and some beautiful restaurants with mm. wonderful people. But when it really comes down to it, when you really want something, just the humble cheese and pickle sandwich is just perfect. It is lovely. I do waver between that and what I think really shows my working class roots and that and piccalilli. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. Mm. Piccalilli is great. Have you looked in what's in Piccadilly? It's like cauliflower or something. I tried else. to make it once. <laughs> I had lots of cucumbers and courgettes and things, and I thought, I can make Piccadilly. Yeah. yeah. And God, it took ages and it was disgusting. I wouldn't even know where to start because it looks like mustard, but. I can't really tell you how to make Piccadilly, but I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. You just go and buy a tin of Haywood's Piccadilly. Always. So mm. let's don't muck about. No. Branson's pickle, Haywood's Piccadilly. Yeah. Decent white bread. Get yourself a nice, a nice. Tiger loaf, a nice bloomer. Lovely. Lovely uncut loaf. <laughs> Wonderful. And that's all you need. You know, that'll get you through. It will. Cup of tea. Oh, my God. If I'd have listened to myself <laughs> years ago, I would have hated myself. It's just, it's just, just what you go back to, isn't it? Things that when you're really feeling a bit shit, you're really feeling, you know, things are getting to you a bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just a cheese and pickle sandwich. Those things are really comforting. 
My wife always says to me, there's fish available, there's pies, there's even sausages, mm. and you pick a saviloy. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't it's, know what that it is. It's just... Red skin, <laughs> something in it. What's that about? It's And no one questions it. Everybody just says, it's I'll a Savaloy, I don't need to know anymore. <laughs> the stuff you've got in water. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Whatever reason that Whatever is. Whatever that is, yeah. I'll have that. But I we used to that. eat all manner of stuff. I mean, sandwich spread. I mean, that wasn't even a thing, was it? <laughs> no, I don't even know really. what that was. But one of my earliest friends was Arahan Danji, and he was from Pakistan. And he used to turn up at school with these incredible, beautiful, spicy meat sandwiches. Mm. And I'd never had anything like that before in my life. I was like, oh, this is amazing. We used to swap sandwiches because he wanted horrible, mild <laughs> cheddar yes. soaked in Ribena <laughs> sandwiches <laughs> that I had. And we used to swap. And it was amazing. And yeah. I think that's another thing as well is growing up around people from other places really does help you. Later in life. Yeah. Because there's some people that didn't that I grew up with and I see the stuff they put on Facebook and I'll be like, oh, how are you? How are you like that? Yes. Whereas the rest of us aren't. Like, what happened? Well, in a way, that's come out of not having those experiences, come out yeah, of ignorance. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just sort of assuming things. Yes. Taking them for granted, saying, well, that must be the case. Mm. I've not been there. I don't know about it, but that must be the case. They must be different. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't get on with those people. No. We've got, we've got nothing in common with them. I can look at them and tell that. You yeah. go, well, go and talk to them. Go and talk to them. Go and experience things. Yeah. And you'll find out that fundamentally, wherever you're from in the world, we're all pretty much the same. We're all trying to get by. We're all trying to pay the bills. Yeah. My fish and chip man. My <laughs> fish is, he's a lovely man. He's from Algeria. Yeah. Uh, I've got an autistic grandson, Natty, and uh, he loves fish and chips. It's one of his favourite foods. And every time we walk past, this lovely man mm. taps on the window and says, hello, my friend. And he says, Hello. <laughs> And they go in and they chat. Lovely. And they chat about Algeria. Now, Natty is an expert on geography and wow. all the details of every country because yep. that's one of his skills. So he'll tell him all sorts of things. And then he says, you want some chips? And he says, no, no. It's, it's, and I say, you can have some if you want. And he says, no, no, free from me, present. Uh-huh. And he's a lovely, just that's a delightful, lovely. thoughtful man. Every now and again, he goes over the road to the mosque and puts mm. a little sign up saying back in five minutes because he's gone to, to pray. Right, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was explaining that to Natty, and it's a that's a fantastic thing for Beautiful. him. Beautiful. And the gorgeous thing about it is that after giving him about four portions of chips, mm. Natty said, I should get him a present. Oh. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to get him? And he went, do you think he'd like an Algerian flag? I said, I think he'd love an Algerian yeah. flag. And he bought him an Algerian flag. Wow. And when he gave this bloke, the bloke, he had tears in his yeah, eyes. Yeah, I bet he was. Oh, see... This is what I love. There is, this is why I don't really look at the news so much now mm. because I feel hopeless because I want to help, but I can't. It's not, I don't know what I can do. But little things like that make me realise that there's still good things going on. There's yeah. still good people around doing things with other people. That's what I focus on now. That's a beautiful story. That's got to be the way out, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got yeah, to yeah. be the way out when, in fact, the people in charge are messing it up so badly. Well, yeah, this is it. They're all hell-bent on, you know, making money and, and profit. And like, one of the big things that was always mentioned during lockdowns was like, the, the the economy. We must take care of the economy. And you're like, what about, what do you mean the economy? Mm-hmm. If you sort out the people, the economy will then be sorted. Yeah. Like, we will, we will 
be part of it and yeah. we will get us back on track. Yeah, and as we found out, Boris yeah. Johnson felt it was a good idea for all young people to keep working and old yeah. people to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would help the economy and, you know, the pension payments would go down enormously. Exactly. You oh, see? Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful, awful people. Terrible, terrible thing. Let's have another time capsule that we just fire into space. Yeah, Put absolutely. all of them into it. Put them in it. I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so what is that thing then, the final thing so that you put in? The final thing. Um, so it's by a band called Level 42. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, for some reason, they hit me really hard in the 80s. I don't know why. Um, the first band I ever went to see live was The Damned. I've been very lucky to grow up with all manner of music around. My mum and dad had a great record collection and and my dad we saw the young ones uh, we saw the young ones and the damned were on there mm. and we were like we both sat there going what is this <laughs> and so then the next thing I know my dad's like I've got us tickets to see that band and so like, oh, brilliant so we went to Hammersmith Odeon that's what it was the, yeah. which is now the Apollo yeah to see the damned and I remember sitting there going, oh this is amazing so the damned have just been in my life forever since I was 14 years old but for some reason, Level 42, I don't know, I was doing a paper round and they kind of hit me at that time. And I just became obsessed with Mark King. <laughs> and I love the man. And great just, voice. Great voice. What a voice. Brilliant yeah. musician. Mm. Plays the bass like he's playing the drums. Yeah, up the top. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. And I've watched so many videos of his of his technique. And, <laughs> and so, so sort of mid-80s, Level 42 became everything. And I used to just... I used to, I'd scrapbooks for the pictures and had all the albums, all the records, everything they'd ever released. I had a T-shirt with Level 42 on it and went to see him a couple of times and I just was obsessed. And this one album, Standing in the Light by Level 42, mm. it's got The Sun Goes Down on it, which is one of my favourite songs to the, still to this day. But it's just a really nice, it's a really nice album. Beautiful album, And yeah. I put it on when I'm feeling a bit shit and it just makes me feel instantly better. Mm. It's such a great album. And it's got a wonderful production. Wally Badaru's on it and all these people. And it's just it's just before they kind of went really poppy and mainstream. So mm-hmm. World Machine was the next one. That's a great album. And after that, they kind of went a bit sort of too pop music for me. But Standing in the Light, Level 42, is just, it's an album I always go back to. It's just got a little place in my heart. and Lovely. Yeah, have it on when I'm trying to get the lights on in Christine. <laughs> <laughs> I did a children's television series years ago for Granada Television. And uh, the producer of it said, we've got this idea that we're going to have a, a band every week. Mm. And I thought, great, well, that's what everybody was doing at, around the time of the young ones. You know, yeah. So you just suddenly have a band in the middle of a sketch show, right. a kid's sketch show. And they said, we've had this idea, which we're going to have the same band and they're going to play their entire album. Oh, wow. And I said, that's a great idea. Yeah. I said, any ideas? He said, we've been offered Hue and Cry. Wow. And Level 42. Huh. And they went for Hue and Cry. Wow. Because they were the lesser known. And their album, um, ah, Seduced and Abandoned, ah, yeah. is a brilliant album. I think that may 1987 have been. 1987 is when yeah. it came out. It would have been about that time, yeah. Yeah, that's a brilliant album. Ah, oh, that takes me back. Yeah, Hue and Cry. Looking out for Linda. That's it. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see, I, there's a friend of mine, Nashi, and he and I talk about 80s music all the time. I mean, I love all sorts of music. I, like I say, Benefits, quite industrial, punk stuff, dance stuff. I'm listening to stuff all the time. 
And we did, we did a radio show as well, Paul and I, producer Paul and I, the Tuned Up Time Machine. <laughs> and it, we used to have a great time, didn't we? Just get yeah, pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and just, we could play what we wanted and we used to slag people off. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> but um, so Nashi and I talk about 80s stuff all the time and trying to find the most obscure 80s things that we can find and send them to each other and have a great time. Hue and cry. <laughs> great, great lads. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, so Standing in the Light, level 42, from 1983, that's that's in the time capsule. Lovely, lovely. Okay, well, it's um, it's been really lovely chatting with and you. And you, thank you so and, much. Uh, and I look forward to uh, to doing your podcast. Yeah, we'll do that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> thank you. You have been listening to my time capsule with me, Mike Fenton Stevens, and my guest, Rich Wilson. My thanks to Rich for being my guest. I clearly didn't explain my time capsule carefully enough and forgot to make sure that he knew one of his items was supposed to be something he wanted to bury and forget. But it was a lovely chat, so why spoil it by insisting that he thinks negatively? I'll talk my guest through the format more carefully next time. Probably. Do subscribe to this podcast and please take the time to rate and review it if you fancy it. It's very encouraging and it helps us to entice new listeners to the podcast, which is very important. Everyone says their podcast is good, obviously, but if you do, then people are more likely to listen. Thank you. Do get in touch with us on social media anytime and you may want to listen to the theme tune by Pass the Peas Music on Spotify. It's cleverer stuff than it sounds behind me. This podcast is available ad-free and with a bonus episode every week if you subscribe to Acast Plus. Details in the description of this episode. This cast-off production for Acast was produced by John Fenton Stevens. Okay, I'll leave you with one of my favourite jokes. I really should write all these jokes down, you know. Not so I can remember them, but just to check that I haven't told them before in the previous 339 episodes. If I have, then I apologise. But this one's well worth hearing twice. A young man joins a monastery, and the abbot tells him that it's a silent order. However, they're allowed to say two words every five years. The young monk agrees and begins his vow of silence. Five years later, he returns to the abbot, who says, Well done, Brother Peter. You can now say your two words. So the monk says, Room cold. The abbot says, Oh, right. Well, yeah, no, I'll get the radiator sorted out. Sorry about that. And Brother Peter wanders off to carry on with his duties. Five years later, he's back, and once again the abbot asks him what two words he'd like to say. He says, food bad. Right, OK, says the abbot, I'll have a word with the kitchen staff. I'm really sorry about that. And off goes Peter again. Five years pass, and he returns again to the abbot's office, who says, right, Peter, time for your two words. And Peter says, I quit. And the abbot says, yeah, I'm not surprised you've done nothing but complain since you got here. Bye-bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.